Hi everyone. Welcome to this session on media discovery and compliance with Amazon recognition. My name is Venkatesh Bagaria. I'm a principal product manager with Amazon recognition. And today I'll be presenting this session with Simon Eldridge, who's the chief product officer for SDVI Corp, who are one of our partners who specialize in media supply chains. <coughs> Excuse me. No audio? Are we good? Okay. So uh, in this session, we are going to talk about what is Amazon recognition. We'll uh, look at a few media use cases that we see coming up again and again, and how some of our customers are using Amazon recognition to solve those. Then we'll talk about how to get started on solving some of these problems and uh, through solutions which involve Amazon recognition and other AWS services. And finally, Simon is going to talk about how SDVI uh, is helping companies manage their media supply chains using different AI services, including Amazon recognition. So let's get started. So at AWS, our mission is to put ML in the hands of every developer. And to this end, uh, you know, we have built the broadest and deepest stack of ML services that's available in the cloud today. And so we are seeing developers use us across three different levels of the stack. At the bottom, we have frameworks and infrastructure for people who really like to you know, play with their instances, figure out different frameworks, and actually write code, deploy the instances. And so we are trying to help them with that by providing out-of-the-box frameworks. And we support all the popular frameworks like TensorFlow, PyTorch. And we have optimized these to run faster than anywhere else in the cloud. This is really for the expert practitioners who do want to manage everything themselves. And you can do that with AWS. The next layer is ML services, which, is, which helps you kind of do an end-to-end -end development of a model. You can build a model, you can train it, you can deploy it, and you can even label the data that is required for this. And we have been working with Amazon SageMaker to kind of make this more and more easier for every developer to uh, train their own models. And if you guys saw the announcements a couple of days ago from Andy, we have introduced a whole host of new features which make it really easy to manage your models, do experiments, figure out how it's performing, and then deploy it and use it in production. And then finally, we have the layer at the top, which is the AI services, where you don't need any ML experience to start using these services. These are more of a question-answer type services. You give it an image, it'll tell you what's in it. You give it an audio stream, we'll give you the transcription. And so there are a bunch of services here within different themes like vision, text, language. And we also launched a couple of new enterprise services uh, with Kendra and Contact Lens. So we are trying to innovate across the different levels of the stack. And we have found that developers, engineers, ML uh, experts, they're all using us. And they're using a combination of different levels as it suits them. So, Depending on whatever is your level of comfort with ML, if you're starting out, if you're an expert, we have something for you. And so Amazon recognition, of course, is a part of the AI services level. And um, this is a service where it helps you automate your image and video analysis using machine learning. And so Amazon recognition today supports both images and videos. And it has a bunch of different features that we have built up over time based on the feedback we have received from customers. 
So let's look at some of these features and what they do. First up, we have object and scene detection and activity detection, where given an image or a video, we'll tell you what kind of objects and scenes we see. For anything that we find, we'll also give you a confidence score. So if I were to take a picture or a video of this room right now, it would tell me there are people here, there are chairs, there's a conference room, there's a screen, and things of that nature. For videos, we also use time and motion context to tell you whether certain activities are happening, such as somebody's playing guitar, if a baby's crawling, or somebody's getting in a car, things of that nature, which can only be done using uh, time and motion context in videos. Next, we have a feature for content moderation, which helps you understand if there's inappropriate or unsafe content in your images or videos. So things like nudity, violence, weapons, these are undesirable things which you don't want in your content, and we help you automatically find that. Next, we have uh, capabilities around detection of text. So we'll tell you where the text is in an image or a video frame, and um, we are able to read the text, and we also give you back the line and the information of, even if the text is oriented in different dimensions, we can give you a polygonal bound, bounding box for that. So it's very useful for different types of applications. Um, we also have a comprehensive set of capabilities around faces. And so the first one here is face detection analysis. We can actually detect up to 100 faces uh, in an image or a video. And for each face that we find, we'll give you the bounding box of where the face is. And we also give you a bunch of different attributes, such as the gender of the person, uh, the age range, what emotions they're expressing, whether the person is smiling. A lot of different things which uh, you can build rules around and use it to um, you know, find out multiple things about what is happening. Next up, we have face search where the idea is that if you want to create a collection or a database of faces and look for people uh, against that, so if you have a video and you know that, let's say, uh, you, know, you have um, the cast members of a show and there's 100 people, and you want to put them into the collection and check any incoming video or any image against that, you could do that very easily. And so this is the place where you, the customer, can train it. We also have a pre-trained model for celebrity recognition where we recognize hundreds and thousands of popular figures in media, sports, politics, and different uh, fields uh, across a global uh, you know, landscape. And we are able to just tell you when, when that person is showing up. So it just recognizes the person straight up. And then uh, finally, we have two capabilities which are specific to video. Uh, we have support for live stream video uh, analysis. Today, we support facial uh, search against that. And so uh, you could, again, create the collection. And then for a live stream coming through Kinesis video streams, you could very easily figure out in near real time uh, who is in the stream. Uh, we also have a very cool feature called uh, pathing, where if you take a video and there are people moving around, you can figure out where the people are and where the path is across the video. And even if they go out and come back in, you can tell what is happening. This is very useful for things like analyzing the paths in sports activities and things like that. So uh, this was all great. And you know we have a lot of customers who are using us uh, for this. But people told us that, look, uh, we have this set of pre-trained capabilities but we have some very unique problems that only we understand and specific to our business. So why don't you allow us to extend recognition and uh, you know, be able to add our own labels to that? 
And so that's exactly what we did. We launched custom labels earlier this week. Uh, it's now available in GA. And this is a new service which allows you to add customized image analysis and you can detect your own objects and scenes that you have defined which are specific to your domain very easily. And so how does it do that? Um, you actually don't need any ML experience. You can even build a model without writing a single line of code. Uh, it comes with a console which guides you through the process of uploading and labeling your data. And then with a click of a button, you can train your models um, and we will take care of the rest. We will figure out what are the best techniques to use, what sort of model architectures to use. And different problems require different uh, approaches, but we have abstracted all of that away from you. So you just click a button and the model is trained. And you can also check the performance of that against a test set that you have defined. And once you are happy with the performance, with single click, you can just get a deployed model and you can run inference against that just like you would do with any of our pre-trained APIs. So this is super powerful and very exciting because it gives the control back to you, the customer, and you can define whatever you want. You can play with the models. If the accuracy is not satisfactory, you can get more data and you know, keep improving it yourself. And so we are super excited to see what you guys build with this. Uh, and you know, uh, it's sky's the limit here. So with all these features, you know, we have been very fortunate and humbled over the past few years to get a lot of customers who have been using us in many, many different verticals. Uh, today, of course, we are going to focus on some of the use cases in media. But really, we have seen broad adoption across different verticals where we have customers in photo sharing, such as SmugMug. Uh, we have been used by uh, companies like Marinus and Thorn who are using us to fight against uh, child trafficking. Um, and we have even companies like Coffee Meets Bagel, which is a dating website, who are using us to keep their platform safe uh, from you know, bad actors. And so uh, let's talk a little bit more about media customers and their use cases. Um, so we are seeing a lot of traction and a lot of uh, interesting use cases coming out of the media space, uh, because really all we are trying to do here is help you describe what is happening in the content be it people, be it objects, be it uh, you know, custom objects, logos. All these things are very important information that we as humans consume very easily. And hence, human operators have to look and understand what is happening. Uh, and so you know, we have seen a uh, lot of companies starting to use us. Uh, you, know, you have CBS who are using us for moderation. Um, we have uh, OSN who has a similar use case. Sky News uh, last year uh, built this very cool um, who's who app for the royal wedding where uh, you know, they were actually showing on a screen um, who is coming to the royal wedding and they were using our celebrity recognition for that. Uh, we have also started seeing good use cases within marketing and advertising companies like Bidmob and Pattern89. And of course, uh, all of this would not be possible without uh, our partners. Uh, of course, we'll hear from SDVI later to, uh, in this session, uh, we're also working with a few other companies like Nomad and Graymeta here. So uh, let us look at some of the use cases that we are seeing uh, come up again and again in the media uh, sector. So the first one that we hear about often is compliance and quality control. And so here the challenge is that you have to detect potentially inappropriate content 
or something which is not appropriate for particular countries. So if you're taking the same content, the rules of what is allowed in India and what is allowed in Germany and what is allowed in the US, completely different. And you have to prepare your content for that. You have to sometimes take out stuff. You have to find what, is, what could be offensive to somebody or could uh, actually you know, violate the local laws. And so it's very important to do this. And sometimes your content might also contain themes which advertisers might not want to associate with uh, in that particular combination. So uh, you know, doing this is very important. And today it's all done mostly by humans. The second theme that we see is around discovery and monetization of content. Um, with the vast amount of content generated almost on a daily basis, and also the archives that are sitting in most media companies, it's a very tedious job to actually search through all this and find specific content which you know, might be interesting to you for various reasons. Uh, you might want to actually syndicate some of this content out when you have signed a new deal with, uh, you know, your network signs a new deal with somebody. You might want to give this out, but how to find it? Again, somebody has to look through all of this. Um, and it's not just based on, uh, and, and this could be based on different things. For example, you might want to find content based on objects, uh, what is being spoken, particular logo. There's a bunch of different things that you want to search against. So making content searchable would really improve lives for most people in the media space. And then finally, for marketing and advertising, we see uh, two main use cases. There is contextual advertising where you know you're putting an ad somewhere and you want to make sure that the context of the content that comes just before or after that is taken into account and helps you actually improve that performance. Uh, we also have more direct measurements of content performance uh, use cases showing up there where you want to really understand what works and what doesn't. Depending on what is the visual uh, makeup of the, let's say, a marketing video, how does that affect the performance? So that's something that you know, we are seeing a lot of uh, use cases for. And so let's dive into each of these one by one and see how this can be solved uh, using uh, AI and ML and in particular Amazon recognition. So um, for compliance and quality control, as I was mentioning, today most of this is done through human review. Like literally there's a video and every, uh, every second of that has to be carefully watched because you could have you know, nudity coming in or weapons coming in at a certain portion of the video. It might just be 30 seconds or one minute, but that's enough for you to violate a law or you know, make it inappropriate for certain audiences. So today, you actually have to watch this whole thing. Now, with AI, what you can get is we'll analyze the video for you. And with Amazon recognition moderation, for example, you could very quickly figure out that the particular clip actually has nudity. And you could also combine different features, such as custom labels, where Let's say there's something very specific about a country or you have some guidelines which are specific to you. You could use that and find such instances in the video very easily. Same thing with Amazon Transcribe, which is our service for converting speech to text. So with this service, uh, you are able to figure out when somebody's uh, speaking uh, a bad word or you know, there's hate speech. So you could look for what is happening uh, in the audio stream as well. Putting all this together, 
what we have seen uh, customers being able to do is now for every video, you only have to look at a very small number of areas which are potentially dangerous. And that really brings down the time for human review significantly. In many cases, we have seen this go down by 80 to 90%, uh, which is a lot of savings in time. And uh, to this end, you know, uh, we have been working on our moderation API and adding new categories to it so that more and more types of inappropriate content can be figured out. Uh, we started out with detection of nudity and uh, suggestive content. And then earlier this year, we added the support for detection of violence, weapons, and all sorts of visually disturbing content. And we'll, of course, keep adding more and more categories as we go along. So one thing about Amazon Recognition's moderation model, um, it's slightly different from what you might see. Instead of giving you a safe or unsafe result, we try to give you more information through a hierarchical model where we tell you what type of content we have found so that you can make the decision. You can write the business rules, which are very different for different companies, different geographies, different demographics. So because we tell you that, hey, we found a suggestive content and we believe it is female swimwear, you know, this type of content, maybe it's not good for, let's say, the Middle East or if you are doing a children's program. But for US, it might be okay. And so with this rich information that you get back, it's very easy to create rules. And we don't really have, I mean, we, we, we have no way of judging what is safe or unsafe. It's you who makes the call. And this is exactly how uh, CBS has been uh, using this. Um, you know, they have uh, global requirements of making sure that they don't break laws or uh, put out content which is unsafe. And so they have been using a combination of recognition moderation and custom labels to make sure they cover all of their content guidelines. And by using these, the processing time per video comes down from hours to minutes. And that's great savings. And the human operators who do this can be repurposed to do higher level work, which makes better use of their abilities. So next, look at, uh, let's lo look at the discovery and monetization kind of use cases. So again, here, uh, often what we see is customers have very large archives or just large libraries of content which contain many hidden gems in some cases or even uh, you know, might contain things which you know are there, but it's hard to find. And uh, again, as I was mentioning, if you're trying to syndicate content or just in your daily operations, trying to find a piece of content which would help you for a particular task, it's very difficult today because the, sometimes the content was created many, many years ago. The metadata associated with the content could be incomplete or completely non-existent. Uh, so you see a lot of uh, this mix of uh, use cases where you need to find the content but just doesn't have any metadata. And so somebody has to look through everything manually and look through the whole thing to find out uh, you know, if it's interesting, is it what they want? Like if they want a video or the set of videos which has a particular celebrity or contains a particular character from a show, it's very hard to do that. They might be present for maybe 20 minutes or five minutes during the show, and you have to watch multiple videos to do that. So similar to moderation, you can use a combination of all the features that uh, you know, AWS offers to generate rich metadata which uh, you know, now allows you to tag these videos with both the objects, scenes, people, 
as well as the timelines of when it's exactly happening within the video. So not only do you find the right videos, you also find the right clips within those videos, uh, which help you very quickly figure out the right content. And so you know, once you have tagged it, you could very easily run such queries, uh, which you know, find me all video clips, which contains this particular person. Or with custom labels, you can very easily even train animated characters. And so it would be easy to go and say, hey, get me the clips which contain this particular character from the show. Same thing with transcribe, uh, you know, you could figure out how to get something which contains a particular uh, spoken phrase. And different types of scenes are also supported. And you can use this in all sorts of combinations that you feel like. These are all just metadata once we have passed it through um, the system. So, uh, you know, as I was saying, uh, for identifying people, you have the option to use celebrity recognition, which is a pre-trained model, or you could identify um, any people that you want to define as you know, something specific to you. You can just add that to the collection and very easily go and search for that. Um, for same thing with labels, we give you confidence scores. You can even set up rules where if you feel the model is confident enough, let's say above 90%, you say, OK, this contains this certain object or uh, scene. Uh, else, you know, you could reject it or send it to a human for further review. And uh, we also have uh, the ability to find bounding boxes from any common objects like person, car. So this gives you another level of control where your queries can become more complex. You could count objects, you could get their position, you could get the relationships between different objects. For example, uh, you could now search for things where you say, get me all clips which contains at least two people or a person is standing next to a car. Because we give you the position and the box for that, these kind of queries are very easy to construct based on the metadata that you are able to get. And uh, with custom labels, you can take this even further. So with recognition labels, for example, uh, this particular scene from the Rugrats would have just shown you that, hey, this is a comic or an animated uh, thing. And here, you can actually train it to recognize particular characters, such as Arthur and Buster. Uh, or, you know, on the right, you see that the labels API would have told you this is a disk. But you can then actually train this to say this is a particular object, which is a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame gold record. And so uh, we are seeing a lot of good use cases where people are finding value of attaching this metadata to their videos. Uh, one of them is Video Fashion, who have uh, five decades of content, 18,000 hours. Um, and uh, you know, they pretty much from 1976 have the definitive repository of videos of all things fashion. Um, and they're now trying to find the right types of clips which contain particular models uh, or have particular types of uh, themes in a show, all sorts of things. And earlier, they were doing this all manually. And it used to take a lot of time. And using Amazon recognition and one of our partners, Gray Meta, who have uh, built a tool uh, which helps consume all this data very easily, uh, they were able to bring that down by 88%. And uh, you know, they're now able to monetize this content. Pretty much every second of content is generating revenue for them because they're able to have so much control over it. Uh, the other one that we were super excited to work with was NFL. And um, they uh, are actually using a combination of custom labels and our Faces API 
to be able to find uh, different players, uh, like footage which contains different players. With custom labels, they were able to actually understand the logos uh, of different teams. And you can do things like uh, understanding the coverage of, uh, you know, whether a particular press conference has the right logo or not. Or you can get all the clips which contain this particular logo. Uh, they're also using it to detect some very specific events and objects uh, which only happen in an NFL football game. Uh, you know, there's an injury cart or you know, somebody has a big pointy finger. Uh, all those kind of things, uh, some very specific objects that they look for, uh, those clips are very important for them. And you could extend this concept for all sorts of different things. Uh, there are particular sports events that might happen during a video that you want to recognize. Uh, so you could train a model for that. So, you know, just give it a shot and let us know how it goes. So the third one uh, which we wanted to talk about is the marketing and advertising use cases. And here, um, what we have seen with contextual advertising is, today you know where to put the ad break in most cases, but how to match the ad that goes in with what is actually happening around it. So with the metadata you can generate from Amazon recognition and all the other services that we discussed, you could now, for example, say that, look, this scene actually contains a beach and there's a family in there. And so why don't I put a family vacations kind of ad here? That would go very well with that. Similarly, if there was soccer being played here, you could put an ad for a soccer cleats. So really, again, uh, based on whatever works for you, you can experiment with different things and figure out what what is the best way to increase the performance of your ads based on the context. And the other side of this is figuring out how the overall content is performing. So a classic example is a marketing video where you might have gotten data of how the engagement was for the video across the timeline. Now you want to figure out why that is. What was working, what was not working. And so if you, for example, found out that, look, this video actually contains a puppy, uh, and you know, who doesn't like puppies? Um, and then it has a certain brand logo showing up uh, at a certain time, or it has a person who's, you have a close-up of a person who's smiling, it's a girl. You can put all of these different things together and figure out that, hey, if the logo is actually showing up for too long, the performance is not so great. Or if it's too big in the screen, that's not too good, but people like the part with the puppies, or maybe the data will show you that this particular audience, target audience, does not really care for puppies. So, you know, you could do all sorts of different things to understand the performance of your content based on the metadata. And uh, as I was saying, you know, besides the features for uh, labels, custom labels, uh, faces, uh, you, of course, get a lot of value out of understanding the emotions as well as different things like smiles. Um, you know, you might find, for example, that when there's a smiling person in the video, it's performing better versus if, you know, somebody has a neutral expression or if they're sad uh, or if the face is, you know, too far away. So things of that nature can be found out. And so this is exactly how uh, one of our customers, Vidmob, is uh, using us. Uh, they have this product called uh, the Agile Creative Studio, which helps uh, their customers understand the performance of their ads and marketing videos. And uh, by using recognition and custom labels, they were able to achieve 150% lift 
in the ad performance and 30% reduction in the human analyst time because humans are again trying to figure this out themselves that, oh, this video worked well, what was really happening here? So, uh, you know, we have talked a lot about the different features, the use cases uh, that we see here. Um, I wanted to show you guys a small demo using an application we had built in-house just to show how some of this looks in real life. And so uh, I'm just going to play a clip for you and then let's see how it goes. So this is a clip of the Grand Tour uh, with Jeremy Clarkson. Let's just see 30 seconds of the clip to see what is really happening here. The BMW M2. our first ever show to do a full road test of this car but there is time to say right so as you can expect there's no moderation labels that we found across the timeline even at very low confidence levels because this is a video of a car going around so there's no nudity or violence here uh, next if you look at the celebrities here there's of course we expect to find Jeremy Clarkson there and so there are 28 instances that this thing found. And as you can see, it's very easy to then find out where all in the timeline is he showing up and to get the bounding box and the confidence for this. Um, so you can just very quickly skip to the places where he shows up and his face is showing up. Apologize for the delay there. Still a beta tool. Right, so uh, now if you want to understand what sort of objects and scenes are uh, showing up here, uh, there are multiple things you could do. So, for example, I was looking for a scene where there's smoke. And so, you know, once I chose that, it could very quickly figure out that there are a few uh, clips in the uh, front of the video where you can see smoke. Next, I was looking for instances where alloy wheels are visible. I mean, uh, if you want to, you know, if you're an enthusiast and you want to look at uh, scenes where a particular, you know, type of alloy wheel is showing up, you could easily find that. And literally any of these concepts that you see there, uh, you could very easily go and find where it's showing up. And then finally, uh, there's one example of a bounding box. I was looking for the license plates, which is one of the labels we support. And so, uh, you know, you can very easily find the location as well as where on screen this is happening, the bounding box of uh, that particular object. So that's how easy it is to generate this metadata and actually put it across the video timeline. So let's dive a bit deeper and look under the hood of how some of these APIs actually look like. 
And so uh, we have our image API, which is a synchronous API operation. You can pass in an S3 object or even the raw bytes, and you can send the image over to us. And there are some settings that you could apply. And then with the detect labels API, you get back an answer, which gives you the name and the confidence uh, for each of the labels we have found. Uh, we also give you back the bounding box instances if we find the objects and the hierarchy in terms of if you found a dog, we'll also tell you it's a mammal and it's an animal, and those are parent labels for that particular thing. In uh, videos, it's slightly different. Uh, these are asynchronous operations, and so you have to start a job and then get back the results. And so here you can see there are some additional parameters that you need to take care of. Uh, chief amongst those is you need to find out when the job is over. And so we do that through SNS notifications. And so you can very easily set up a SNS topic on and use that as the, as the way to track when the job is getting done. And so once you send this, you get back a job ID. And you can use that job ID in the get operation where you would get the results. Uh, we'll give you some metadata about the video. And for each label that we find, now we also have the timestamp, which is, of course, the most critical thing here. Uh, we also allow you to sort the results by different ways. You could sort it by the label names, in which case you will get all the timestamps for that label. Or you could uh, sort it by timestamps, in which case you will get all the labels for the timestamp. And so you know, I showed you a couple of ways where you could combine different services and really use them together um, to generate this rich metadata. So many of our customers came to us and said, hey, can you actually make this easier for us? And not just this, we actually need to ingest some of the content. In some cases, that content is sitting on tape, and we need to really get that into the cloud, apply ML to it, generate this metadata, and then put this into a MAM. And so you know, we have been working on this solution, which is called the AWS Media to Cloud solution. And uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we released a major update for this as well where you can very easily manage some of these operations. This is a cloud formation template that you get. And it's an end-to-end -end serverless uh, framework which you can just deploy and play around with. So this is a very good tool for you to run POCs and small production applications and really try out these services without writing too much uh, of your own code because you can just deploy this template. And uh, taking a quick look at what it does, there's a lot of different functionalities here which I won't be going into depth today, but as you can see, we have partnered up with a couple of our um, you know, other companies who specialize in different parts of this process. Uh, so even if you want to ingest from tape and get the stuff onto the cloud, there are various AWS services that we have put together for you there. And we are partnering with companies like cloudfirst.io who can help you with the migration process. Once the content is inside AWS, we give you again, uh, ways to apply different ML services, and even put uh, through ground truth, uh, you know, human uh, input into the process, because sometimes humans need to correct the labels or apply the final judgment. And so all of that is integrated for you uh, through this framework. And then finally, once the data is generated, uh, we can put that out and a couple of the common, uh, you know, MAM systems like Reach Engine and uh, Nomad CMS are supported. We'll be adding support for more uh, as we go along. Um, and so this is available right now. Um, and you know, I'll leave you guys with uh, some resources as to where you can find and learn more about this, as well as some of our other APIs uh, and custom labels in particular. And so 
you know, uh, you guys can find all these resources here and um, do take a look. You can read more about this. Uh, there's much more detail than what I've gone into, but it's a pretty cool solution. We are seeing a lot of uh, customers playing around and really accelerating the pace at which they can go and do some of these things compared to before. So that's all I had. Uh, and now I would like to welcome on stage Simon Eldridge. Please give him a hand. Okay, thank you, Vankatesh. Can you hear me? Okay, good. Um, thanks for involving us and thank you all for coming. Um, I'm going to talk about how we use some of the recognition capability to help people optimize media supply chains. So, first of all, just a little bit of context as to who are SDVI. Um, we are a SaaS company who focus on delivering media supply chain technology for media companies. Um, some of the biggest names in media are our customers and they use our technology to, to really optimize and run their supply chains in AWS. Um, we come from a rich media broadcast background. Um, we've been AWS technology partners since 2013, which is when we started. Um, and we've actually been involved in using recognition uh, right since it was a beta. Um, so we've, we've got some pretty good experience. Um, just a bit of context in terms of what do we mean by a media supply chain. Um, so what our platform does is it basically provides manufacturing capabilities for creating media. So if you think of a typical media operation, you're receiving media in, you're doing stuff to it, and then you're creating outputs from that, from that factory, if you like. So you're doing things like how do you receive content and make sure that it's validated. You're normalizing that content maybe to house formats because you're receiving it in hundreds of different formats. Uh, you're doing localization and compliance type work, as uh, Venkatesh was talking about. Uh, you're potentially then taking some of those decisions for that localization process and actually modifying the media to create new outputs, um, potentially creating an archive in the cloud, and then ultimately you're creating distribution. So the reason that this is particularly important is, you know, you go back far enough and what a media company had to do was create a single output. And now what they have to do is they're creating potentially hundreds of different outputs for hundreds of different territories, hundreds of different platforms. So the only way to really be able to scale that up is to be able to automate as much of that process as you can. So the three things that we focus on are efficiency, agility, and growth. Right? So let me just explain a little bit about what I mean, and then I'll, I'll come on to, to how this works with recognition. So from an efficiency perspective, this is how do you, how do you basically remove uh, repetitious tasks. How do you optimize the process to the point where you're as efficient as you possibly can be because that's really the only way that you're going to be able to do more work. Right? This is not necessarily about reducing people, this is about how do you create more output with the people that you've got and really use them in an efficient way. From an agility perspective, um, the media industry is changing almost on a daily basis and so if you're locked into a particular platform that, that dictates how you do things in a particular way, it's really hard to change. So you really need the power to be able to change those things as soon as, you know, as soon as you realize that you need to deliver content to customers in different ways, then you need to be able to change quickly. And then ultimately, this is all about growth, right? So we, we have customers who, because they now have an agile, efficient platform, they can do business deals or content sales deals with new platforms very quickly, which actually gives new revenue opportunities. So this is not just savings. This is how do you do more with what you've got? So we look at that in the context of ML data. 
Um, from an agile perspective, obviously this is adapting to new requirements. So you've just done a deal with a new content platform. You need to be able to very rapidly get your content onto that platform as quickly as you can. Therefore, you need to be agile. You know, and, and supply chains evolve over time. You may be doing one thing today, but by next week you may be doing four or five other different things. From an efficiency perspective, um, you need to be able to locate your content very rapidly. Um, and ML data can obviously do that because if you can say, here's a particular type of car in a particular type of video, show me all the other date, all the other video that has that particular car, um, then that's obviously very useful. Um, and then the other efficiency one, which I'm going to come on to when I talk more about the, the uh, content moderation process, is how do you do that faster? Um, you know, this is a time-consuming process, as Venkatesh said, you know, the idea of actually being able to review every single frame of video looking for particular types of content is problematic. And then from a growth perspective, wouldn't it be nice if you could say, if you like this content, you're likely to like this content. Uh, and by automatically labeling the content that you've got, then you can obviously, you can do that much, much more simply. So there's, there's two parts of our platform that I'm going to talk about today. The first one is Rally. Uh, and think of Rally as the factory. So this is how you define what you want the steps to be in your manufacturing process. So maybe it's a transcode, maybe it's a QC process, maybe it's analyzing the content using recognition or transcribe, and then ultimately it's how do you create the outputs for the different platforms that you want to deliver to. The second part that I'm gonna talk about is a product called Rally Access. Now Access is a product that actually lives within Adobe Premiere, um, and I'll, I'll show you how this works, but the idea here is, you, you, you've now got access to an enormous amount of data about the content. How do you make that data easily accessible to operators so that they can use that data in an efficient way? So, um, these are basically the steps that we go through in order to prepare that data for a compliance and a QC process. So first thing that we do is we create a proxy of the video. Uh, broadcast video is big, uh, large file sizes, very heavy you don't necessarily have to use the full video asset to be able to do very accurate recognition. So you can create a much lower uh, resolution, much smaller file, um, and then you can then send that file to recognition or indeed to transcribe and run the analysis on it. Um, at the same time, typically what our customers are doing is they're also running automated QC processes. So in the same way that recognition is giving you time-based data, um, a QC process would also come back with time-based data. So it's here's where there's an audio dropout, or here's where the loudness is too high, or here's where there's more than three seconds of black, for example. What Rally then does is it normalizes all of that time-based data um, because you're getting it from multiple different sources, but you need to be able to make it available in a very simple way. And then there needs to be a mechanism for then making that metadata available for users so that they can then review the content and make decisions about what they want to do. So, how does that work? Um, so, Rally, as I said before, is an AWS um, native application. We use many of the core AWS services uh, for, our, for our core backend. Um, but the first step in this, in this process is, okay, I'd like to create a proxy video. So this could be using Media Convert, for example. You run the high resolution video through Media Convert, you create a low resolution proxy, you store that proxy in S3. Once you have the proxy, we can then send a job to recognition and say, right, I'd like you to analyze this job, and I'd like you to give me back whatever you find about the, the information in that video. And then once we've got that information, we then normalize it, um, and we import it into an Adobe edit session, 
So an operator who's already used to that kind of environment has very quick, very simple access to all of that data. So next level down in terms of how that actually works. So as Venkatesh said, you, um, you set up the job, you set up a queue so that you get notifications about when that job is actually complete. Um, the highlighted aspects here are obviously things that we change dynamically on, on a job by job basis. And then what we get back is the standard JSON output back from recognition. What Rally then does is it turns that into um, normalized data that is more useful for a broadcast process. So things like time codes rather than where did this appear in the video. And then we can make all of that information, combine it with all of the QC data that you get back from the automated QC process, and then present it to a user. So how does that look from a user perspective? So this is, uh, this is basically Adobe Premiere. Everything that you're seeing here is completely standard Adobe functionality, except for the right-hand panel. So the right-hand panel is basically a Rally application that lives directly within Adobe Premiere. And if I play this video, the first thing that happens is when an operator logs in, um, they get a task list. They can pick up their tasks, tasks. Those tasks are prioritized so they can take the most important job first. When they load a task, it will show you all of the events and you get to choose how you classify these events. So you could say, just show me the QC stuff first or just show me content moderation, just show me violence, just show me where the nudity is. As you highlight each of those different areas, and it could be as simple as saying, well, I have a template for distribution of content to a particular market, and therefore, here are the types of labels and the types of information that I'm interested in, and you could filter that information directly out. Once you've highlighted the things that you want to see, you'll notice there's a couple of, um, couple of different things. So on the left-hand panel, these are basically markers. So for each of those markers, it will show you the start time code, the end time code, and it will show you the labels and the information that you've got back from either a recognition job or from a, an AI job. And then if you actually look at the timeline, which is the, the markers underneath the, the video area, an operator can very simply say, show me the next event, show me the next event, show me the next event. And for each event, they can choose, do they want to do something? Do they want to remove that section of content? Do they want to blur some section of that content? And it's, in, it's interesting to note that this is all working on a lower resolution proxy of the video. So the high resolution media never left S3, uh, so you're not egressing to be able to do this. But the output from this process is an Adobe project file that we then put back into AWS and apply that project file to the high resolution media and conform that without ever ha actually having to pull the media down. So what you end up with is a different version of the material, um, which is then completely processed and ready for distribution to where you're going to. Um, we have customers who that entire QC process and content compliance process typically took about two hours per hour of content, and they're now down to sub 10 minutes. Um, so it's a pretty dramatic uh, opportunity for some savings. So just a couple of data points that we have from our customers who are using this. Uh, one of our customers saw a 70% improvement in time to market whilst massively saving costs. So this is a very, very good example of how you can reduce the expenditure and also basically give yourself the ability to create more content for more platforms much more, much, much more quickly. Um, the second one, um, we had a customer who actually increased their revenue 23% year over year while reducing their operating costs by 25%. Now, one of the reasons that they were able to do that is 
before their content moderation process, it was running multiple shifts of multiple people in edit suites, and it was taking two hours per hour of content. They could completely reduce that, so they only needed a single shift, and obviously they're doing it 80% faster, so that's where the, the additional uh, savings came from. The revenue was interesting because they were previously limited, so they could basically only accept deals that their factory had the capacity to deal with. Whereas now, they don't have that capacity concern. They can basically say, is this a good deal? Should we do this deal? And they know that they can get it done. And the last one, um, and this is an important one, 80% lower human involvement. So this is not removing people from the process, but this is basically saying that the people who are involved in that process should be doing high value things, not things that a service like recognition can do for you. Last one that I'll leave you with. Um, if you want some more information, there's actually a blog post on the AWS blog about this, so there's a lot more detail in terms of how this stuff works. And if you want to contact us or have a conversation, then I believe Venkatesh and I are going to hang around afterwards if you have questions. That's it. Thank you very much.